Welcome to the So Tremendous Show. My name is Sophia at So Tremendous and I'm a period expert, women's coach, energy healer and TEDx speaker. I'm here to help women like you live in harmony with your hormones and body so you can have more ease and flow. But what I'm truly passionate about is guiding you to unlock your power, productivity and potential by aligning with your menstrual cycle. Whether you're a creative coach, leader or healer, you're in the right place to dive deep into the wisdom of your womb and embrace your unique feminine energy. Are you ready? Let's shed some light or blood on periods. Before we start with today's episode, I would really love to invite you to create space. So go ahead and close your eyes and relax and take a deep breath in through your diaphragm and a big sigh out. A big breath in and a big sigh out. And last one, a big breath in and a big sigh out. And in this moment, just notice how you feel. Hi, welcome back. So today on the podcast, we have the wonderful Megan Cooper. Hello. Hello. Great to be here with you this morning, this evening for you in Australia. Yes, always, always trying to figure that one out. Thank (laughs) you so much for being here. And I'm so excited to be talking about all things trauma. For people who may not be familiar with your work, Can you just tell me a little bit about what exactly you do? Absolutely. So firstly, thank you so much for having me. I always love recording these episodes with you. So my journey, my entry into holistic health began with being diagnosed with PCOS. So similar to yourself, Sophia, in 2017, and I hadn't had periods for a year. I had a myriad of other symptoms and I decided to treat myself naturally and holistically through diet and lifestyle changes with a lot of success because I restored my period with regular bleeds, all of my symptoms receded. And it was really the invitation for me to learn and understand what I had done. Because before that, I really didn't know much about health at all. You know, I was teaching yoga, I was managing a fitness studio, but I didn't know anything about diet or lifestyle impacts. So that encouraged me to go and train with IIN. So same as yourself, Sophia, I trained in holistic health and nutrition with the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and did a further diploma in gut health and in hormone balancing. And I started coaching women on hormone related issues, menstrual issues, And then just kept adding to my experience. So I trained, I did my advanced yoga teacher training, trained also in breath and in meditation. And then when I moved back to the UK and I'd been previously living in Australia and in Bali, when I moved back to the UK at the beginning of lockdown, I was introduced to EFT. So that is commonly known also as tapping. And then I trained as a EFT practitioner and started to integrate a lot of deeper subconscious work into my coaching. 
And then that took me down a path of learning more about trauma, the effects of trauma, and using EFT and matrix re-imprinting in trauma resolution and supporting women through gut health, hormones, periods, nervous system management, trauma resolution, and subconscious beliefs. And then this year, I have been training, commencing of one year training with Dr. Gabor Mate, Compassionate Inquiry. Uh, which has been phenomenal. And yeah, really looking at the impact of trauma on our health and on our mind and body. So I now support women working one-to-one retreats, events in using their symptoms as a real invitation and gateway into deeper healing and what that means to them and creating a life that feels fully aligned and authentic to them as a result of looking at where they are alignment, out of alignment in their body and in their mind. Mm. There's a couple of questions I really want to ask you from that. I guess the first one would be, you talked about your journey and how that kind of led you to deeper knowledge into into trauma and the effect that it has on our body and our mind. But what would you say that your own trauma was? What did you have to work through yourself? Yeah, and I love this. And I think that a, a really interesting point to make here which I'm sure that a lot of people will be able to resonate with is that for most of my life, I thought that I didn't have any trauma because I didn't have any of the inverted commas, big T trauma. What I mean by the big T trauma is, you know, you've got natural disasters or abuse or assault or major accidents, like a big car crash or the very early death of a parent. You know, I didn't have any of that. So I just didn't think that I had any trauma you know, but actually what I know to be true about trauma, what that actually is, and the fact that it's not, and I know that we'll go on to discuss more about this, but the fact that trauma is not what happens to us, it's not about the event or the experience, but it's about how it impacts us on the inside. So it's what happens inside of us as opposed to the event itself. So when I understand that, I can now understand that There were many parts of me that were fragmented or disconnected. You know, we're not born with these not enough stories or low self-worth or feeling that we are unlovable or incapable of certain things. You know, all humans suffer from this kind of not good enough story. So that has early roots in our early experiences. And it really shapes the trajectory of, you know, who we are and what we think is possible for ourselves. So for me... I would say that my main areas of focus have been looking at my relationship patterns. So when I had my last, when I had a a breakup several years ago, it was really an invitation to me to look at what was modeled for me very, very early on in life what I felt was possible for me in the area of relationships, possible for me in the area of love, looking at my own self-worth, my own self-esteem. So relationships was a really big part of my journey and looking at the kind of early trauma with that. Then also looking at work, the impacts of the school system, which is very common for lots of people and how that's impacted us and the stories that we take on about ourselves as a result of what happens to us earlier on in that. So that's really impacted my my work, really impacted my success and my sense of fulfillment, going back and looking at what stories I'd taken on earlier on. 
also a big part of that was my was nervous system so early on in life depending what happens to us our nervous system gets calibrated to what we're used to to what we feel is safe so especially in the area of relationships really recalibrating my nervous system was really essential. So that's a large part of the work that I've also been doing over the years, looking at my nervous system. Mm, absolutely. And I guess this leads to my second my second question. What other common themes that happen to many other people? Any other common themes? I think the main thing that I would say a lot of people come to me saying that they don't feel good enough. And, you know, like how many people say that to you, right? Absolutely. <laughs> um, Number one. <laughs> but, but yeah, but this, but this not good enough is such a broad generalization because, you know, go outside and ask every single person whether on some level they don't feel good enough. You know, it's almost like a part of the human condition. But when we can start to understand what our specific not good enough story is and that is unique to us so you know I would say that not good enough is the common theme but the not good enough and our own unique blueprint for that that is that's that's a huge kind of invitation and gateway into the healing that you need to be doing specifically for you and I think that it's very interesting to see because some people think you know oh well not feeling worthy or not feeling lovable or something like you know that must be how everyone looks at the world but actually it's not and I think that that's a really important thing for trauma because it clouds our lens through which we see the world so we're almost not aware of how we are perceiving the world we think that that's kind of just how the world is but actually doing this work it's almost like shining off the lens through which we're looking and we can we can decide like oh wow okay I've been perceiving all situations and making it mean a certain thing about myself you know maybe it's about rejection or about abandonment or being mis being misunderstood but we all have these interpretations that are unique to us that when we can do this work we get to look at different situations in a different way and feel different in those situations too yeah and that's something I definitely identified with even through my own healing journey. I see it a lot with my clients as well. And it's actually, that's one of the reasons I did become um, an integrative nutritionist because I saw so many other women, how our hormones impacted our confidence. And when I uncovered, okay, well, what was affecting my own self-love towards myself? I had many people saying, oh, well, you know, it must be a relationship with your father because that's always the common theme, isn't it? But what I realized actually was, my trauma essentially was going back to my childhood, which was then a reoccurring pattern in my teenage years, even in my 20s, where I felt not good enough because of I felt a bit bullied by my close friends because they'd always want to be good friends with my best friend. So they would put me down. And I really had to break that pattern and put even boundaries in place because I recognized that was affecting my confidence within myself but even with me with relationships with you know my lovers I literally it was 
it was like self-sabotaging myself because of that. I was almost putting up this protection wall against me. And it's funny since I've done that work, like that energetic healing within my body and my mind, it's that I would say was in line with all the nutrition stuff that I was doing. It wasn't just food. It was all of that work that needed to be addressed as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And what, what comes up for me there when I'm, when I'm hearing you say that is going back to this definition of trauma, because what you're talking about there is being limited by a past experience. And, you know, it's really important to make this distinction with trauma because a lot of people think that trauma is the event itself. You go through a traumatic experience and you are traumatized, but actually that's not necessarily the case. You can go through a traumatic experience and not be traumatized because when you are traumatized, it's about being more limited after the event than you were before. So that's what being traumatized is. It's not about the event. And as I said before, it's about what happens inside of us rather than what happens to us. So a different way of putting that is it's like a psychic wound that we're carrying. So we're more limited after the event in the way that we perceive the world, in the way that we are able to show up in our connection to self, in our connection, as you were just saying, to partners, to friends. It really shifts the lens through which we're seeing the world and also recalibrates our body to feel different in the world as well. So it creates this internal disconnection and limits us more after the event than before. So thank you for drawing attention to that. It's a really, it's a really important distinction. And as I was talking about, you know, with my early trauma, because I felt like, you know, there were no big things that had happened to me, but the fact that I was more limited in my capacity was enough to be like, okay, no, there is stuff here. And especially when we're very small, you know, we make things we make situations mean different things. You know, we're not, we're, when we're very small, we don't have the context or the understanding and our needs are very different. So as adults, looking at our early childhood experiences, it's very easy to be like, oh, well, that wasn't a serious thing because as an adult, it's not a serious thing necessarily. And you've learned things differently since then. But as a child, these, you know, quite small things like, a friend, you know, deciding they don't want to be friends with you or, you know, a parent shouting at you in a big way and you not understanding why, you know, these are all things that leave these, you know, internal scars or internal disconnections that actually can really shape the trajectory of our life. Yeah, completely. And what I find interesting as well is it doesn't necessarily need to be the experiences of ourselves. It can also be those stories that are handed down to us stories yes and also from a dna point of view as well how it becomes imprinted so i've had clients who come to me and they they recognize that actually there's again a pattern where for example there's miscarriages within the family the female line and that they've had miscarriages and so they they're they're literally don't feel safe within their body to carry another pregnancy because of their mother their grandmother that of these incidents of happening as well and it's so fascinating as well the impact that is creating yeah yeah and you know we've talked about this before but you exist as a egg inside your mum when your mum was an embryo inside your grandmother you were already 
you know, one of the eggs inside her. So you actually, your DNA and your, the the trauma is impacted like six generations back because you were an egg inside your grandmother who was an egg inside her grandmother. So whatever happened, you know, during those pregnancies, it's actually carried down the line and it's kind of imprinted into our physiology in some kind of way. Also through a lot of learnt behavior. So when we're young, you know, pre-six, our brain waves are very different from how they are in adulthood. We're literally like sponges trying to learn everything about the world. So we're observing, we're listening, we're watching, we're watching our parents, we're watching our caregivers. And so anything that they find very stressful or, you know, very scary, we can also create these messages within ourselves that, oh, that's good, that's bad, that's dangerous. So we carry these things through. And, you know, a big part as well of, you know, looking at my own trauma was pre-verbal stuff too, you know, big emotions or stresses that we carry within ourselves that we don't necessarily have much context for, you know, that we don't have much conscious awareness for. But understanding that these things can happen, you know, when we're really, really young, but they can still be impacting us on some kind of way. So I, you know, for a long time had this sadness or grief that I was carrying that I just didn't really understand, you know, and it's actually only recently of understanding pre-verbal trauma, be like, oh, okay, this is just something I'm carrying from a really, really long time ago. And then being able to, to work with that. So this stuff can go really, really early back and it's still impacting us in some kind of way. Yeah, completely. So I guess that the awareness piece as well of things that perhaps are limiting us is really important as well, because once we become aware of it, then we can start you know, responding to things differently and even taking a moment of how we respond to things necessary. Like, for example, recently I was on the phone call to a customer service and I was having issues with a printer and I just wasn't getting the answers that I wanted straight away. And I could see that my nervous system was just going out of control. And when I checked, um, because I wear a watch and when I checked, it took hours after for my body just to de-stress or that's what it's called it in the app and it was from there that I was like okay actually the more that I can respond in a more effective way the more I can support my my well-being either have you had much experience of you know even supporting your clients in in that area of work as well Mm, definitely and what was coming up for me whilst you were talking was there's this quote from Course in Miracles which is along the lines of you're actually never upset about what you think that you're upset about it always goes further back so with a lot of these situations you know my my intention with clients now is to create this inquiry for them that when they are understood, when they are upset about something or angered by something or triggered by something, like the example that you gave, to actually inquire, you know, what is really going on for me here? Because we're not just upset that the printer's broken. You know, <laughs> we're not just upset about these small things. What we're upset about is what we're making it mean about ourselves or our place within the world. So a question that I continue to ask myself when I'm triggered by something 
is, well, what am I making this mean about myself? Or what am I making this mean about how people perceive me? Or, you know, just to dig deeper, because the thing with being triggered is that, you know, like a like like the analogy of using a loaded gun, you know, it's not just the it's it has to have ammunition in order to fire off. You know, this is an analogy that Gabor Mato uses about about triggers. So we can't just be like, oh, you know, well, that thing triggered me or you triggered me. It's actually then taking ownership and responsibility to be like, well, what was there for me first in order for me to be triggered so easily by that? And that's where the gold and the treasure gets to be. Because every time that we get triggered or get upset or angered that or, you know, or really saddened, you know, whatever, or really shame, really ashamed of ourselves or this guilt feeling, you know, rather than being so um, identified with the feeling and obviously allowing it to be there, letting ourselves move through that process compassionately, but being able to then inquire to be, well, why did that upset me? What's going on for me here? And how, where does this come back to? How familiar is that? And then being able to support ourselves in that healing once we start looking at all situations like that we're just continually evolving and continually healing so that's an approach that I would really use with clients and it's it's so transformational when we start to look at all of our lives like that and then we're also taking ourselves out of you know a victim mentality of everything's happening to me and then being able to move into a space of, you know, creativity of, you know, well, how do I want to be? Well, how do I want to heal and move forward from here? Hmm. I think that's so important, particularly around different phases of our menstrual cycle, particularly around the inner autumn. So the luteal phase just before hmm. we're bleeding, because, you know, trends normally show that we are more irritable during that time. And so the knock on effects is how we are actually responding to certain situations I know for example I share with my partner when I'm actually about to come on my period because then he knows okay actually he needs to support me and if I'm being a bit snappy it's only because I'm you know feeling a bit more tired my energy is a bit lower and all of these hormones are fluctuating at the same time and so when we communicate that to each other we know and there's a perfect example, actually, we're going on a walk and I could see we're about to get in like a little mini argument because he was trying to irritate me and I was responding to it. And it wasn't until I said to him, look, I'm really sorry. I'm in my inner autumn. I, I'm, you know, I'm a bit irritable. And then he responded with, well, actually, yes, I am trying to irritate you. And by doing that, we stopped that argument from even progressing and just really saw each other which was amazing and I, I definitely think that that helps in communicating with relationships because again one of the common conversations I have with my clients is how they're responding to their partners or even colleagues at work as well when they think everything's about them and they're not thinking about okay well what what is that person why is that person doing that what is their perception of it yeah yeah, what comes up for me there is that when we are triggered and essentially what happens when we're triggered is we're taken back in a way to a past event, to a past experience where we weren't safe or, you know, something happened within us and we become almost that younger version of ourselves. So if it takes you back to a very early, you know, traumatizing or triggering experience, we almost become that younger version of ourselves, right? So, you know, I don't know about you, but when I'm triggered, I can really close up or, you know, kind of disassociate and I become like a kind of, you know, very upset 
six-year-old or you know whatever it is but then understanding that that's what hap- that's what is happening to us because when we're triggered when we're when we're going into a trauma response we're no longer in the present we're in the past we're becoming that past version of ourselves and what you were saying there about your experience with your partner is being able to say this is what I'm experiencing right now and being able to communicate that because when we're not naming it we are just acting out of that place. And then we're like, then we kind of get involved in that triangle of, you know, well, you did that and then you reacted like this and the communication becomes really difficult. But doing this work and understanding and healing our own trauma and also understanding our nervous system and what happens when we're regulated or dysregulated, being able to communicate that within a relationship dynamic is so transformational. So, you know, if my partner says something and it triggers something within me and I make it mean something based on my past experiences, maybe I shut down, maybe I become very closed, maybe I become you know, angry, but being able to say, this is how I'm feeling right now. This is what's going on for me inside. And I'm making it mean X, Y, Z, you know, I'm actually, I need to take myself out for a walk or I just, I need to just sit down and breathe because right now I'm not going to be a good person (laughs) for you to be having this conversation with, but doing this work, that's what it lets us do, you know, and I can look back at past relationships and be like, wow, I probably could have done certain things better if I'd known this work and also understanding our partner's trauma or our partner's experiences because you know similarly I might say something and I might see my partner react in a way and be like oh okay well I understand what he might make certain things mean too and then to understand when one another are dysregulated when I when one of us is closed down or when one of us has gone into kind of fight or flight and agitation and then using our nervous systems in order to co-regulate or understanding what what we need to do in order to bring ourselves back into regulation. Absolutely. And I feel that this area of work is not explored enough. And most, again, when most women are looking at healing their hormones, they automatically go to nutrition, as we spoke about before. But it definitely goes hand in hand because we know even from a science point of view, like for example, with polycystic ovarian syndrome, one of the most, one of the, you know, root causes of PCOS is adrenal dysfunction. And that all stems from stress. And again, what is stress? Stress, it's again, our perception, and it's dysregulated nervous system. And so when we're in that state, then that's when, you know, our cortisol goes up and it has knock-on effects on our endocrine system, our digestive system, all of these different body parts. So I think there is a real need to, when we are looking at our food, we need to also be looking at nervous system and not just trying to reduce our stress because I see that a lot. People are trying to do all of these new trends, ice bathing and ice bathing is that is that did I get that term right (laughs) yeah Um, definitely yeah (laughs) cold water therapy or doing yoga and meditation although I do believe that yoga meditation can help our stress if we're using that as what I call a buffer so if we are using it to try and reduce our stress but not actually address the real root cause of that nervous system dysregulation or the stress within ourselves then we are not really getting down to the root cause it and we're not really healing it. We're just, we're just putting up short-term fixes. 
Totally. And I love you bringing attention to the root cause thing. I know that both you and I are, you know, all about that, all about getting to the root cause. And you're right. Like I meditation, yoga, ice bath, ice bathing, you know, all these, all these things, you know, they're brilliant. They're really, really fantastic. You know, they change, they can change our physiology. They regulate the nervous system, you know, working with the breath, you know, it's all fantastic. But understanding as well that our reality is actually shaped by our belief systems and our physiology is shaped by our beliefs as well. There's a brilliant book called Biology of Belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton. The work of Dr. Bruce Lipton is absolutely groundbreaking with looking at how our biology is affected by our beliefs and our environment and how much that impacts us and how much as well as a woman that impacts our hormones. You know, looking at something like chronic fatigue or adrenal fatigue and understanding that you're in a very heightened state of stress, as you talked about, and agitation within the nervous system. And that's also connected to not feeling fully safe within the world. And when we can understand that and how to feel more safe in our bodies, how to feel more safe in our life and understanding where that might have gone back to as well. You know, when was it that I stopped feeling safe? And often these things trace us right back to pre-six. That's where a lot of this disconnection began very, very early on. Um, so understanding how important our beliefs are in our, in our health, in our day-to-day health and wellness, how important our beliefs are. And so much of that is subconscious. So we might think, oh, I don't have any issues in my beliefs. You know, everything's, everything's good. But actually 95% of our thoughts are subconscious. We're not even aware of how we're perceiving things. Mm. So, so, so right. And even, I, I guess I remember when I first started out in this area, I was attracting a lot of people who didn't even believe that they could heal their hormones and PCOS or period problems. And I find that so interesting because that is our beliefs that underpinning the healing journey, the potential of you actually getting well again, because the belief is so strong that you don't think you can get yourself better, that you're creating a barrier to that end outcome, that end result, that outcome. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think what, what you're told about the way that you are, and I find this really interesting as well, that I, I have lots of conversations with clients where they say, this is just the way that I am. I'm the type of person that You know, we're so identified with who we perceive ourselves to be. But actually, when we start to do this work of understanding how our trauma, how our past experiences, how our beliefs have shaped that person, and also understanding that even our personality is malleable, which to me kind of blew my mind. I I did think, you know, oh, I'm the type of person that this is who I am. But actually, even our personality is a result of past experiences, defenses, coping mechanisms, strategies, ways that we protect ourselves. So when we understand that too, we can look at everything and be like, oh, wow, is that still serving me? Because a lot of the time these things aren't, and we're very entrenched to aspects of our identity or aspects of our personality, because we think, well, who would I be without this part of myself on some kind of level? but sometimes those things don't serve us. So I'm I'm very kind of hot on the, well, I'm the type of person that, unless it's a very positive thing, <laughs> 
But when we think, you know, oh, I can't recover from this or this isn't possible for me or I can't create a business that I love or I can't have a fulfilling job or I can't have the perfect partner or, you know, whatever it is. Why do we think that? You know, what happened earlier on to make you think that and then rewriting those stories? So I think, you know, that's it's a really, really important aspect to any healing trajectory, actually believing that it's possible and creating that possibility for ourselves. And maybe that's a process and, you know, that's fine. And some of this stuff doesn't have to be overnight, but it's really important if we in the area of our hormones, in the area of our cycles, if we don't think that we can create something, then I think it's it's that Henry Ford quote, isn't it? It's like, if you think you can, or you think you can't, I'm I'm not paraphrasing this properly. Um, but it's if you whether you think you can or you can't, either way, you're right. Yeah, completely. And I guess you are actually the perfect example of that belief system because many people, for example, when you if you you know when you were told you have PCOS, you're I know you shared your story many times. You're likely not to be able to, you know, have a child. You'll probably get, you know, diabetes, all these other health issues. And instead of seeing that as a obstacle, you actually switch it around. And that in itself has led you to the career that you're in now, leaving your corporate life and becoming a coach and mentor. Mm -hmm. So it's absolutely amazing that actually you can turn these obstacles or beliefs and turn your beliefs around so that it can actually be a really positive thing and benefit yeah. you and change your life for, yeah, for the better. It's really interesting when I feel back into that moment of being diagnosed with PCOS. And I saw a consultant endocrinologist who, exactly as you said, you know, she said you might really struggle in the area of fertility, you might not be able to have children, you know, all the things that you said, increased risk of dot, dot, dot. And when I feel back into that moment, I really feel like there was something very intuitive within me, where, which was like, this just doesn't sound right. And it's almost like, it, for me, it's it's that body wisdom of, no, this isn't my story. I don't want to take this on. And I don't know where that came from, because like I said at the beginning of this, I didn't know anything about health. So of course I could have just been like completely accepting of what she said, but there was just something very, very innate within, within me that was like, no, this is not who I am. This is not my story. And even on a logical level, I kind of did a bit of like maths in my head being like, well, I've spent the last 10 years fucking up my body. <laughs> I spent the last 10 years drinking, smoking, eating badly, not having any sleep, partying really hard, taking lots of drugs, not really respecting my body. So it was almost a case of, well, you know, I'm not really surprised that something's gone wrong, but I wonder what would happen if I unpicked all of those things and actually just did the opposite. Would I be able to create the opposite result? So for me, I don't know if it was a case of someone telling me that I couldn't do something and just wanting to prove them wrong, uh, combined with that innate body wisdom. And I, the innate body wisdom, I think is really interesting because I remember reading Lisa Lister's Love Your Lady Landscape, and she talks about a really similar thing. It's almost that like feminine fire of knowing what my body is capable of. And I've 
and I hear this from other women as well. And Sophia, maybe you can also identify with this, but I feel like we know on some level what is right for our body. And actually when we start to exercise that muscle more and more and really start to listen to our own intuition, be guided by our bodies, develop that body literacy of hearing the cues and signals of what our body is trying to communicate, that just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. You know, now I make so many decisions from that body, yes, that body, no. You know, I hardly ever really make decisions from my conscious mind anymore because it rattles me up in all sorts of knots. But when we start to listen to the body's cues, I feel like we're given so much guidance and wisdom. Absolutely. And yeah, I think that's that's the issue in itself with Western medicine. And, you know, obviously Western medicine has its place. But saying that, we have been told that we need to rely on Western medicine. And if our body is failing us, then we need to just put a Band-Aid on it and cover it up with medication or anything else everything but looking at okay well what is our body trying to tell us and since doing this work and guiding so many women our body changes every single day and it's trying to tell us something and instead of seeing it as hating on your body and being like what are you doing you know feeling gratitude and reflecting and being like well my body's trying to communicate what can I do to nourish it what can I do to help support it so you know it's it's you know like you said back in the day when we were in our 20s and we were misusing our bodies with you know pumping it full of all those shots and drugs and everything else what can we do now to help it because it didn't abandon us there it was just trying to give us a little tip that actually maybe we shouldn't be doing that and we didn't listen and I think all all of us we have this intuition within ourselves and if we're so busy with life or we're not having some self-care downtime or we're just fighting and trying to be you know going against the grain all the time trying to be active we aren't really giving that our our minds that space so that we can tune in to understand listening to our body listening to our mind and listening to our intuition and that's so powerful I think like Mm -hmm. you were saying about the yes or no I use that I have people around me being like you are so intuitive Sophia and I was like I didn't even realize that actually this that is one of my superpowers of how intuitive I am and so now I really make sure that I'm carving that time out so that I can harness the power of that and even today I heard Mm. someone say I can't wait till I get menopause so I don't have to put up with my periods and I'm like it just makes me really feel uncomfortable because I'm like oh but there's so much power in in listening to our bodies and if your experience of your period or your hormones isn't that great well then again that's something that you can address and reframe your relationship with it because again your body's telling you something yeah and being disconnected from our gut instincts is also a trauma response so very early on in life for some reason we doubted ourselves and what we knew to be true because the gut our gut instincts have been guiding us for millennia right you know humans would not be here without gut instincts there's so much information that we're processing all of the time through our sensory experience and when we tune into our gut to our intuition we're very very seldom well if ever wrong but somewhere along the line of our life we were told that what we were feeling was not valid or not correct 
So we've actually stopped listening to our gut instincts. So when that arises within us, we think, oh no, this is the time where I must be wrong. This is all happening subconsciously. So I'm not consciously thinking that, but on some level we doubt ourselves. So then that's when we start to take on other people's stories. So actually a big part of therapy or coaching um, or whatever therapeutic work you are entering into a big part of that is actually just understanding your own body's cues, understanding developing that body literacy, because when you can start to listen to your own intuition and your gut instincts, you're almost set for life. <laughs> but that is a big process in itself and a huge intention behind the work that I do with clients too. Amazing. Do you necessarily think that we need to know our trauma so we can address it? Or do you think that we can pick up on these things or address it in other ways? Yeah. So it's interesting with this question because the way that memory works, you know, we have explicit memory where we can recall an event. We also have implicit memory. So a lot of what you've been talking about in this conversation of, you know, these feelings and reactions happening, but we can't necessarily locate where that's from, but it just creates this feeling within us. That's like implicit memory. We're remembering our response in some kind of physiological level and it's taking us back. That's a form of implicit memory. So when we are looking at our trauma and wanting to understand it, it is helpful to have the explicit memory. But even in that, you know, with our memory recall, it's often skewed. So it's with our perception and what we made it mean. And also it changes over time. So if you ever told a story and maybe you've exaggerated it a little bit more each time and that becomes the event, it's actually, you know, not quite the original event, but that can happen in our mind too. So we can exaggerate something or diminish <clears throat> or diminish something. So we might look at a past event and be like, oh, that didn't really impact me. It was just a small thing. But actually it was a really big thing back then, but we've just limited our recall of it. So it's helpful to have the event, but also to have the understanding that we probably also captured the event in a way that's not completely accurate anyway. But we can also work with the implicit memory. So even if we don't have that, that, that recall, the fact that we can remember the somatic experience and the fact that we can get into the emotions of it, it's really about reconnecting that like mind and body. So even if you can just, even if you can just come into the physical sensations of what comes up for you, that can give you so much information as well, because you know, I know that when I'm looking at an experience I'm having in the present and where it's taking me back to, you know, feelings of shame or guilt or sadness or whatever from the past, actually just being able to sit with those emotions and be like, for some reason, I just feel like this is my 12 year old self right now, or my eight year old self or my four year old self. And just being able to hold that part of ourselves. And that's what brings us into wholeness as well. When we can develop that capacity to bring in the implicit past emotions and just hold ourselves there. So in answer to your question, it's helpful to have a lot of information about the event, but we can also do a lot with just the emotions and sensations that come. But I also think that the more that we do this work and what I've seen through EFT is the more that we open ourselves up to taking ourselves back into these past events, the more it just starts to come as well so it's almost kind of like taking a little like bot like little bottle top off the bottle because also our body and our mind it's meant to keep things in the past because if we were 
living all of our past experiences all of the time, it would be virtually impossible to carry on. But because it's all happening subconsciously elsewhere, it's all happening regardless. Even when you're not processing this stuff, there's like little kind of trauma capsules held off in the periphery of our minds all the time. And it's actually affecting us anyway. So that's really an invitation again, just to to start to do this work because it's affecting us anyway. But yeah, in answer to your question, it's helpful to have the information, but there's also a lot that can be processed through somatic work, uh, just through the feelings and sensations. Yeah, brilliant. And sensation is so important because I know that, for example, when some people are to quote so traumatized or you know very anxious that sometimes they can't necessarily feel that connection with their body so what we were talking about that disconnection and so you know you know starting with those subtle sensations is super super powerful a lot of a lot of people and I myself have experienced this too of saying well I can't really remember a lot of past events so even as you said just very very subtle just working very subtly with the sensations that just starts to bring that about. But I also have worked with a lot of people who say, well, I find it really difficult to get into my body, which is a lot of the population because we live from very above our, above our necks, very up in our head. So a lot of people do find it very difficult to get into their body. And again, that is just a process or what can you feel, you know, even just small things, but also developing practices like yoga which help you to get into your body doing something like that consistently over time is an opportunity to be in our bodies but also if you don't if you don't have time for a consistent practice even just tuning in you know small little and often whilst you're doing the washing up brushing your teeth in the shower being like okay close my eyes what can I feel physically in my body right now you know developing that capacity too yeah and I'm really glad you brought that up actually about the yoga and getting your body because remember when I was saying about using yoga not as a buffer of stress that's the thing yoga is still has very much its place and is very beneficial for getting in our body and that was one of the key moments when I realized I was very disconnected from my own body is when like after my first yoga class I got my period and I was like that was my wake-up call and I use that daily for me to create that space to connect with my body not because I'm already stressed and I think that's the key differences between it yeah so if someone wanted to work with you what would you say are the top tools that you know how would you start with looking at trauma and integrating some tools and techniques what would your go-to be generally so my primary modality that I work with is EFT and matrix reimprinting. So EFT, emotional freedom technique, it combines working with the mind, with the body and with the nervous system. As I mentioned before, it's commonly known as tapping, but the tapping that you see online is slightly different from when you're working one-on-one with a practitioner because a practitioner can guide you a lot further back into your own unique experience. And with matrix reimprinting, it's like a form of inner child healing resource your past self resolving the memory tapping through the trauma so that you can look back and the beliefs have actually changed around the event so I work a lot with EFT and combine it into my coaching I also do EFT just as a standalone modality as well Um, within my coaching containers I would support somebody to explore their past and to create resolution from it so looking at trauma looking at your subconscious beliefs and shifting those 
working with your gut health, working with your hormones, your periods, and working with your nervous system. So all of which combines to really taking you to a place of wholeness and shifting the way that you see the world and the way that you feel in it too. Amazing. That program sounds immense. Thank you so much. I feel like we covered so much and so many different topics on here. Where can people find you? Yes. So my Instagram is higherlove underscore with Megan or my website is higher-love.com. I also have my own podcast too. Sophia, you've guested on it multiple times <laughs> with your knowledge and expertise and wisdom. My podcast is called Higher Love with Megan, which is available on Spotify. And I always love to hear from people. So yeah, if anything that I've mentioned has has resonated with you, then please do get in touch. Thank you again. And I will definitely put your details in the show notes. Perfect. Thank you, my love. Thanks so much for having me. No, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for joining me on today's episode. So this podcast can reach as many women as possible and empower them on their journey. I would love for you to share this episode and leave a review. Your support and help really does make a huge difference. And if you want to connect with me, perhaps there's a topic or a guest that you'd love to have on, then you can find me on Instagram at so tremendous. I also offer live and online events and my current program Perfectual Period is currently running so that's 90 days to experience a happier, healthier period and you can find all that information over on my website at www.sotremendous.com That's all for today but see you next time. Ciao.